Hello and welcome to Newman's Thoughts, the multimedia reading project from the Newman Institute for Catholic Thought and Culture to promote the thoughts and ideas of our patron saint, John Henry Newman. I'm Patrick Callahan, director of the Newman Institute. Today is day 12, and I'm reading section 6 of Discourse 1 to St. John Henry Newman's The Idea of a University. I'm using the Clooney Media edition of The Idea of a University. You can follow along with this or any other edition, or even online, via our daily email. St. John Henry Newman, The Idea of a University, Discourse 1, Section 6. These are not the words of rhetoric, gentlemen, but of history. All who take part with the Apostle are on the winning side. He has long since given warrants for the confidence which he claims. From the first he has looked through the wide world, of which he has the burden, and according to the need of the day and the inspirations of his Lord, he has set himself now to one thing, now to another, but to all in season, and to nothing in vain. He came first upon an age of refinement and luxury like our own, and in spite of the persecutor, fertile in the resources of his cruelty, he soon gathered, out of all classes of society, the slave, the soldier, the highborn lady, and the sophist, materials enough to form a people to his master's honor. The savage hordes come down in torrents from the north, and Peter went out to meet them, and by his very eye he sobered them, and backed them in their full career. They turned aside and flooded the whole earth, but only to be more surely civilized by him, and to be made ten times more his children, even than the older populations which they had overwhelmed. Lawless kings arose, sagacious as the Roman, passionate as the Hun, yet in him they found their match, and were shattered, and he lived on. The gates of the earth were opened to the east and west, and men poured out to take possession, but he went with them by his missionaries to China, to Mexico, carried along by zeal and charity, as far as those children of men were led by enterprise, covetousness, or ambition. Has he failed in his successes up to this hour? Did he, in our father's day, fail in his struggle with Joseph of Germany and his confederates, with Napoleon, a greater name, and his dependent kings, that though in another kind of fight he should fail in ours? What gray hairs are on the head of Judah, whose youth is renewed like the eagles, whose feet are like the feet of hearts, and underneath the everlasting arms? In the first centuries of the church, all this practical sagacity of holy church was mere matter of faith, but every age, as it has come, has confirmed faith by actual sight, and shame on us if, with the accumulated testimony of eighteen centuries, our eyes are too gross to see those victories which the saints have ever seen by anticipation. Least of all can we, the Catholics of islands, which have in the cultivation and diffusion of knowledge heretofore been so singularly united under the auspices of the apostolic see, least of all can we be the men to distrust its wisdom and to predict its failure, when it sends us on a similar mission now. I cannot forget that at a time when Celt and Saxon were like savage, it was the Sea of Peter that gave both of them first faith, then civilization, and then again bound them together in one by the seal of a joint commission to convert and illuminate in turn the pagan continent. I cannot forget how it was from Rome that the glorious St. Patrick was sent to Ireland and did a work so great that he could not have had a successor in it. The sanctity and learning and zeal and charity which followed on his death being but the result of one impulse which he gave. I cannot forget how, in no long time, under the fostering breath of the Vicar of Christ, a country of heathen superstitions became the very wonder and asylum of all people, the wonder by reason of its knowledge, sacred and profane, and the asylum of religion, literature, and science, when chased away from the continent by the barbarian invaders. I recollect its hospitality, freely accorded to the pilgrim, its volumes munificently presented to the foreign student, 
and the prayers, the blessings, the holy rites, the solemn chants, which sanctified the while both giver and receiver. Nor can I forget either how my own England had meanwhile become the solicitude of the same unwearied eye, how Augustine was sent to us by Gregory, how he fainted in the way at the tidings of our fierceness, and but for the Pope would have shrunk us from an impossible expedition, how he was forced on in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, until he had achieved the conquest of the island to Christ. Nor again how it came to pass that, when Augustine died and his work slackened, another Pope, unwearied still, sent three saints from Rome to ennoble and refine the people Augustine had converted. Three holy men set out for England, together, of different nations, Theodore, an Asiatic Greek from Tarsus, Adrian, an African, Bennett alone a Saxon, for Peter knows no distinction of races in his ecumenical work. They came with theology and science in their train, with relics, with pictures, with manuscripts of the Holy Fathers and the Greek classics, and Theodore and Adrian founded schools, secular and monastic, all over England, while Bennett brought to the north the large library he had collected in foreign parts, and with plans and ornamental work from France erected a church of stone under the invocation of St. Peter after the Roman fashion, which, says the historian Cressy, he most affected. I call to mind how St. Wilfred, St. John of Beverly, St. Bede, and other saintly men carried on the good work in the following generations, and how from that time forth the two islands, England and Ireland, in a dark and dreary age, were the two lights of Christendom, and had no claims on each other, and no thought of self, save in the interchange of kind offices and the rivalry of love. Thanks for listening to Newman's Thoughts. To discover more about today's readings, or to download this season's reading guide, visit www.newmansthoughts.com. This has been a production of the Newman Institute for Catholic Thought and Culture, an apostle of the Diocese of Lincoln in partnership with St. Gregory the Great Seminary and the UNL Newman Center, St. Thomas Aquinas Church.